um, but we can see that, and while I was there, I met one of the church members that was, uh, his church was fully, totally full, so they just started COVID zero weekend in their last church, and I was asking him how things were going, and things were going great for him, and this and that, sort of thing, and um, we started talking about how, how finances were going, and I, I got to tell him how finances were going, and I, so he, he said, I told him, I said, it amazes me that our church is 18 months old. We pay a lot of money for um, for a high school that we attend. Uh, I have a full-time salary. I'm not I'm not bivocational like a lot of pastors are. Our church is 18 months old, um, and we're able to pay our bills. And we only bring in a thousand dollars from another organization once every month, and so the organization gives us a thousand dollars. And then another church that I went to when I was in college. So the fact of the matter is, we really don't need that 11.25, but God's given it to us because those organizations and those churches want to be blessed, and, and, and they do that. They give to the refugee church so that they can give through the refugee church. And, and so that's one of the things that I want to start saying here is when you give to the refugee, you give through the refugee because you take the money that you give to reach the world with the gospel. And so... When we talk about money, we're talking about it the same reason why we talk about it everywhere else. You say, Pastor Adam, if the church is doing fine financially, then why are we talking about money? I'm glad you asked. Because it's not about our church. None of what we do here is about our church. It's all about you and your heart and getting you closer to the God that designed it. And so, the why behind the what this morning, the what is this money series, the reason why we're talking about it is the same reason we do every other series except this church, to get you closer to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christian for 50 years. It doesn't matter if you've... If, if you've been a Christian for five minutes, it doesn't matter if you're not a Christian yet. We say yet because we believe that you will. It doesn't matter where you're at with your relationship with God. We believe that talking about our money can get us closer to Jesus. And that's why, that's why we're going. That's why we're doing this. In America, we have the, um, the privilege of every time we get this thing out, we get our wallets out, we get into our money, I, or we get into our wallet. I've got, I, I happen to have a $10 bill that I had to go to the ATM to get this morning so that I could have money in my wallet today. I don't, I don't like to carry cash because um, so many of us anymore use, use this, a debit card. Um, I remember when you used to get judged for using a credit card because like you charge everything, but now it just comes right out of our bank account every time. But this doesn't remind us that in God we trust, like this does, right? So our, our cash, every time we, we, we spend it, it reminds us in God we trust. It says in God we trust on the back of our, of our money. And um, this past week, I actually did some digging into um, in God we trust when we started saying that as a country. Um, way back in... 1860, let me, let me find it in my notes here because I'm all over the place already this morning. But way back in, in, I think it's like 1862, the words, in God we trust, or 1867. You can fact check it for me later and tell me which one it was. In God we trust first approved, uh, appeared on the two cent piece, on the two cent piece. But then in 1956, President Dwight Eisenhower decided that he liked the words in God we trust so much that he would make it our country's motto. And so he, he signed a, 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 it's not a bill, but he signed a paper that said that now our motto is in God we trust. And then a year later, in 1957, it appeared first on our paper money. Aren't you so glad you know the history of in God we trust now? You're so glad. I can see it on your faces. So, in our country, we have this privilege of being reminded that in God we trust, but for some reason, so oftentimes, our lives don't necessarily reflect that. Our lives struggle to reflect that we really do believe in 
is that we really do trust in God. And so that's why the title of this series is not just in God we trust, but it's more in God we trust with a question mark. what you're going to get when you come to a church that sets up and tears down every single week. You don't know if the projector is going to work. You don't know if the lights are going to work. You don't know if there's going to be a loud boom in your microphone while you're talking. And that's one of the things that we love about church planting is that um, you just never know what you're going to get here. But you do know that the Holy Spirit's going to show up because he always does. So, um, turn me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, also, you can follow along in our in our notes um, on the Uversion Bible app. On the screen behind me, um, there is a uh, it, it tells you how to get there. Um, in case you don't know, I remember the first time I ever went to a church that had the Uversion Bible app uh, notes available. Um, they didn't have this handy dandy fly, and so um, I had to find it myself, and it was kind of awkward. Am I good now? We're good now. Is it my is it is it my pack? Did you want me to hand, use the handheld? No. Oh. Maybe if I put it in my trunk. It's awkward for me. It's probably not awkward for you, but it's really awkward for me. So the first time I went to a church that had the Uversion Bible app, it didn't say how to get there, and I'm sitting there on my phone looking like you know I'm playing on my phone when I'm really trying to find it. So we created a slide for you to find the Uversion Bible app, and hopefully you can find it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we're going to be at this morning. For our whole series, we're going to be in chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. Um, I challenge you, dig into those two chapters over the next three weeks. Um, like in, your, in your prayer time, in your Bible time, your devotion, uh, in your time with God, like just get in there and, and just really, really look at it. Because we're not going to look at every verse by verse, but we're going to look at, the mo- at a lot of it today. Um, but not yet. Trust can be a funny thing, can it? Um, this last uh, week, I've actually learned quite a bit about trust in my own life, uh, in my own uh, personal life, in the way that I trust people. And here's one of the things that I've learned about trust. And that is, though that in which you trust, you act upon. Right? So that which you trust, you act upon. For example, all of you are trusting in something right now. 100% of you are, tr- well, yeah, yeah, 100% of you are trusting in something right now because you're all sitting down on a chair in which you have put your trust in. You have acted upon that chair and you have put your hind end right down on it because let's be honest, we have all had chairs that let us down. Come on, somebody, like, right? Like, I have done that often. Most of the time it's in my trunk and not from behind me. Like, like seriously, we all trust some point by putting our behind in them, trusting them that they will hold us up, acting upon that trust. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to our finances, we act upon our finances according to our trust as well. I could straight up ask you, do you trust God? And most of you would probably say, yes, I do, I do. I, I trust God. But when I say that our money is where we prove our trust for God, some of you are saying, oh, maybe I don't trust God as much as I thought I did. But the fact of the matter is, is that our money is one of the greatest ways that we can prove that we trust in God. How do I know that? I know that according to God's word, and, and that's what we're going to be looking at over the next weeks, but we prove our trust in God by how we spend our money. The money that we have, no matter how much it is, is so much more than just money. I bet you didn't know that. You probably thought that it was just a way to, to, to make a living, a way to get by, a way to pay your bills, a way to give your kids what they want. But money is so much more than just money. Money is an indicator of the soul. Money is a barometer of what's going on inside of our hearts. The Bible 
Bible says, Jesus said, and I'm, I'm going to get there at the end of this message, but Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6 that where your treasure is, your heart is also. Therefore, our treasure is an indicator of our heart. It's an indicator of our soul. It's funny how our cash says in God we trust, but yet our cash is what really tells us if we do or not. Really tells us if we really do trust in, in Him or not. Jesus talked about money a lot. Jesus told 38 stories that are re- recorded in, in, in the Bible. 38 of them. They're called parables. He told 38 parables. Out of the 38 parables that Jesus told, 16 of them were about money or possessions. 16. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every one out of every ten verses is about money or possessions. That's 288 verses altogether. And the Gospels are about money. The whole Bible has over 2,000 verses that talk about money or possessions. The Bible has a lot to say about it. Therefore, I've always said this as the pastor of this church. And that is, if I am going to care for your heart, or if I'm going to be the pastor here, if I'm going to be your pastor, I have got to care for your heart. And if I can't care for your heart, then I better find something else to do. My job is take care of what's going on inside of you. Now, I'm not responsible for it. I'm not responsible for it, but I, I have to do my job of, of taking care of, of your heart. Therefore, if I'm going to do that, I have to talk about all of life. And that includes money. So, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 9, we're going to read those verses. It says this, now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Time out. Let me explain that. So, the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, is writing this, uh, this, this letter to this church that he started. It's in a town called Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians, because it's written to the Corinthian church. It's the second letter that he writes them. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So he's telling them, hey, Corinthian church, I want to tell you what the church is doing in Macedonia. Listen to what they're doing. Verse 2. They are being tested by many troubles. Now, Corinthian, the Corinthian church is sitting here going, okay, so why does he want us to know what's going on there if they're going through so many troubles? And they're very poor. So now the Corinthian church is going, oh, yeah, let me, let me hear what he has to say about this church in Macedonia because... Let me tell you, Paul's really doing a good job of convincing me that I want to hear what's going on in Macedonia. He says, they're being tested with troubles, they're very poor. He said, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in, genero- in rich generosity. Now the Christian church is going, all right, Paul, you got my attention. Because I want to be joyful. So I'm going to listen to you. Verse 3, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than they had hoped, and for their action was to give them of themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Verse 6, so we have urged Titus to, to encourage your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to also excel in the gracious act of giving. Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, you're doing great in all these things. You're enthusiastic. You're good at speaking. You're good at, at knowing God's word. But I want you to be also great in your generosity. I want you to also be great in your giving. Verse 8, it says, I am not commanding. 
but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. He's saying, I'm not commanding you. You don't have to give your money. I want you to know this morning, church, you don't have to give your money. But look at what he told them. He said, but I'm testing you how genuine your love is. If you say you love God, you will surrender everything to him, including your money. Verse 9. Verse 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And now I've got your attention. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you would have your hand on your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would have your hand on my lips this morning, that I would say what you want me to say. Lord, I pray that it would all come from my heart, that people here would know that this is a message that is, it may be difficult for me, but I'm doing it because I want them to get closer to you. I want us all to get closer to you. God, I pray that you would control the microphone, that, that, that there would be no more popping, and that we would be able to Pay attention to what you have for us as we dive in to what you have for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you three things this morning about generosity that we can find in God's word. Number one, the first thing is generosity has nothing to do with your money and everything to do with your heart. Okay? Generosity has nothing to do with your money and everything to do with your heart. Your money is simply an indicator of your heart. In verse 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's telling them about what is going on in Macedonia. I read it, as I read it, I pointed out that, number one, there were troubles going on in Macedonia. Number two, Macedonia was also poor. They had troubles, and they were poor. But look at what else they had. joy. They also had rich generosity. They were also rich in their generosity. And so we discover in we discover in, in this, this passage a formula for generosity. And here it is. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. The formula is this. Poverty plus joy equals generosity. Poverty plus joy equals generosity. Someone sad with that. Anybody? Poverty plus joy equals generosity. That's a lot better. I didn't like that microphone anyway. Oh, it just broke. Yeah. Show that microphone who's boss. Somebody don't want you to hear this message this morning. And now I'm distracted trying to find the piece of the microphone that just broke off. We'll find it later. Poverty plus joy equals generosity. So what we see here is going on in Macedonia is that um, they are poor. They're having troubles. But because they're able to discover their, because they're able to discover joy in the midst of their poverty, in the midst of their, their trouble, in the midst of what's going on. Notice Paul doesn't explain the troubles that is going on. It's not about the trouble. It's about the ability to find the joy in the trouble. And because they're able to find the joy in their brokenness, that'll preach. Because they're able to find the joy in their brokenness, they're able to be generous. They're able to share. Generosity isn't about your money, it's about your heart. 
Generosity has nothing to do with your money. The second thing that I want you to see about generosity this morning is this. We give by faith and by sight. We give by faith and by sight. And so, let me explain. In, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says that we walk by faith, not by sight. If you've heard of that verse. We walk by faith, not by sight, not based on by what we see. But when we give, we give by faith and by sight, meaning that, and I'm going to explain it, okay? So, again, Jesus talked a lot about money. He also talked about faith, but he talked more about money than he did faith because it's an indicator. And so when we say we give by faith and by sight, um, we say that because if you give according to your sight, you have to – doesn't mean you don't have a budget. Being generous, being generous doesn't mean that you don't have a budget. You have to be smart with your money, though. You have to look at your 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 at what you have in your bank account, and you can't just give it all away. Let me tell you, that's something that I struggle with. Ask my wife. I'd give it all away if I could, but then I'd be broke. The number one cause of divorce in our world today is money want to take care of your finances, or you want to take care of your marriage, take care of your finances. Because the number one cause for stress in our marriage is finances. Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. Do you realize how big a camel is? A camel is huge. Like, when you sit on top of a camel, I I don't know that I've ever sat on top of a camel. My dad went to the Holy Land when I was little, and, and I remember seeing pictures of an, a camel taking an orange out of his mouth, which was really weird. I don't know. Don't judge my dad, please. Um, but when you sit on top of a camel, you're like way up in the air. You're probably ten feet in the air. And what Jesus is saying is that it's harder or it's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. Do you understand how impossible that is? the more money we have, the more numb we become to our need for God. The more money we have, the more numb we become to our need for God. Because we already have enough. We don't need Him. We've provided for ourselves. The more, need, the more money we have, the more numb we come and become to the need. Ladies and gentlemen, in America, we are rich. Filthy rich. Some of you after service today will get in your car. You'll drive to a restaurant that you probably passed 20 to get to. That one that you really, really want. That one that you're craving right now. You're going to drive past the 20 restaurants. You're going to get there. You're going to sit down. You're going to, you know what, you're going to wait to be seated. And then you're going to have someone come and show you where the best place is to sit. And then they're going to come and they're going to sit you down. And then someone else is going to come up to you and say, what would you like to drink? Oh, you know what, let me go get that for you. What would you like to eat? Let me go tell another person that's the cook that will cook that for you. And then... And then, at the end of it, we pay a bill. And then we give that person some money based on their performance on how well they did. We get back in our car. We'll go home. We push a button to open a door that we will then park our car in a house that it belongs in. That's how rich we are in America. I heard a, I heard a missionary from Myanmar one time say this. He said, in America, you have living rooms you don't live in. In dining rooms, you don't dine in. That wrecked me. Because in America, we are rich. And if the amount of money that we have causes us, if we have a lot of money,
causes us to become numb to God, it's no wonder that we look at society and we see a society that is becoming numb to its need for Jesus. So what do we mean when we say we give by faith and by sight? A great great place to start when it comes to the sight of our giving. A great place to start is what the Old Testament calls a tithe, which is 10% of our income. It's a great place to to see. We can look at our, at our money. I can look at the $10 bill that I have in my wallet that I pulled out a minute ago, and I can see that 10% of that 10 is $1. Right? It is a dollar, right? I'm just kidding. I know that. So a good place to start with giving by sight is with 10%. That's why the Bible sets that up. The Old Testament talks about giving 10%, giving our first and our best. The first 10% of all the money that we have that comes in goes to God. My wife and I, Tanya and I, when, when uh, the way this looks for us is when I get paid, I get direct deposit because the church is able to, um, to hire an outside source to manage our money and our finances. It's called Accelerate Bookkeeping. They're phenomenal. I'm so thankful for them because um, it's a place that I struggle and they help us manage our money, but they also they also do direct deposit for us. And so when the money comes into my, our bank account, we immediately, as soon as that money hits, we go online, refugemain.church slash give, and we give 10% of what we had gotten. It's our first, our, the very first money that we spend out of our paycheck goes to the church. It's the principle of the first fruit. That's what, that's what uh, the Old Testament talks about when it talks about tithing, when it talks about giving a tenth. It talks about giving our, our first and our best. But so often times in our lives, what happens is, and, and I've said this before, and until I started preparing for this message, I didn't really realize what we had said. We, we say that... Um, so oftentimes, people tip God. We tip God. Remember that restaurant that we went to just a few minutes ago that we sat down and the, the server came and sat down and, and took our, our order and we, we gave them money based on their performance? It's called a tip. And so what we do is we give back to God according to his performance in our life. Well, you know what? God, you, you know what? You didn't really give me enough money this month, so um, guess what? You only get $5 this month. And so because God doesn't give us enough, we give him according to what he has given to us. But ladies and gentlemen, if you go beyond that and you go to giving out of faith, you give above and beyond of what he has done for you. Because... Old Testament talks about giving out of a tenth, a tithe. Oh, but the New Testament, it talks about giving out of grace. It always blows my mind, people that say, you know what, I don't, I don't really like to give a, a, a tithe. I don't believe in the tithe anymore, Pastor. In your church, you talk about tithing every, every Sunday. Grace is not a good excuse to give less. Grace is an excuse to give more. He became poor so that we could become rich. That's grace. That's what grace is. We want to give according to grace. And so the second part that they did, they gave based on their faith. So they gave out of sight, but they also gave based on faith. So we give by faith and by sight. And so how do we give by faith? Verse 3 says, 
for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did, did it out of their own free will. Notice, they gave more than they could afford. This is where faith comes in. There will be times where we will need to give more than we can afford. Jesus gave so much so that we could become rich. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, later on in the, cha- in, the verse that we, in the chapter that we just read, it says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty we could become rich. Living by faith is not comfortable. Because when we live by faith, we, we live according to what we cannot see. When we do things uh, out of faith, we do things based on what we cannot see. But when we give out of faith, that's when all of a sudden all the money in our account doesn't add up to what we could give. That, that, that's when that 10% doesn't fit in, meaning that we don't have that 10% to give. That's when we... We give by faith when the money doesn't quite add up. But generosity is an overflow of what God has done in us. Generosity is an overflow of what God has done for us. God gives us grace so that we can be generous. In verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the second part of the, of the, the second chapter that we're going to be in this, in this study. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 says, remember this. The farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one that plants generously will get a generous crop. The third thing that I want to give you about generosity this morning is that generosity that will change the world will come from a heart changed by God. Generosity that will change the world will come from a heart that is changed by God. Second Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 7 says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. We talked about that. Decide in your heart how much to give. And don't reluctantly, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. This isn't to pressure you this morning. We're not going to take up another offering at the end of my message because I talked about money today. But there are black offerings. It's not about pressure. For God loves a person that gives cheerfully. The reason God loves a person that gives generously is because it's not about your money. It's not about the amount. It's about your heart. Our goal is to give cheerfully. Because it wasn't ours in the first place. As God leads me, I will gladly go. As God leads me, I will gladly give. And when we let go, when we let go, that's called surrender. And when we surrender, God fills up. God's grace poured into our lives enables generosity to flow out of our hearts. One of the reasons why I don't like talking about money in a series is because we talk about it every week. I I say that, um, you know, I would be robbing you of the blessing of giving back to God. I would be robbing you of, of you having the opportunity to show God that you really do trust him if we didn't take up an offering every Sunday. We talk about money every week. Therefore, it's easy to, to, to not talk about it in our, in our teaching time. But one of the verses that we, that we talk about every, every week is Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 is the only verse in all the scriptures where God gives us permission to test him. In our, and and the, the, per, the place that he gives us permission to test him in is our finances. Test me with your finances. 
show me you, you love me. Show me that you trust me. Malachi 3, verse 10. And what he says is if you're faithful to me in your finances, if you're faithful to me in your finances, I will be faithful to you in your finances. You're like, that makes sense. Because when God is faithful, the, the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, when he is faithful to our finances, he gives and he gives and gives more. The problem, the problem that I see with, with, with human beings is that so oftentimes we want maximum blessing with minimum effort. Maximum blessing with minimum effort. It's the same reason why I want to eat whatever I want to and get skinny. Maximum blessing with minimum effort. But we just read a verse that says that he that sows generously will reap generously. The farmer that plants a lot of seeds, he's going to get a lot of crops. But the farmer that plants little seeds, he's going to get little crops. Now, my wife and I moved from Illinois. Now, you may not know much about Illinois except that it's the land of corn. Also the land of Lincoln, but I like to call it the land of corn. I'm not a child of the corn, but we are from the land of the corn. I don't know a lot about farming. I know just enough about farming to be able to engage a conversation with a farmer. And, but but one, one of the things that I do know about farming is this. If you're going to plant a lot of crops, you know what it's going to require to get a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, sorry, if you're going to plant a lot of seeds and you're going to reap a big crop, you know what it's going to require? A lot of work. You see, the farmer that plants little seed doesn't have to work as hard as the farmer that plants a lot of seed. And so when, when we talk about sowing and reaping, sowing a little and reaping a little, it's going to require work to get that abundant crop. But the problem is we want maximum blessing with minimum effort. We don't like a lot of work. We want to get rich quick. By the way, the mega millions is ridiculous right now. Ridiculous right now. And the reason for that is because we live in a country that wants to get rich quick. Stupid. Maximum blessing with minimum work. Second Corinthians chapter nine verse seven says, "You must decide in your hearts what to give." It starts in your heart. Today, I want to make the choice of generosity. I want to choose generosity. I want to choose generosity over fear. I want to choose generosity over greed. I want to choose generosity over my pride. I want to give. And so to wrap this up, I've got two questions for you. The first question is this. What has God, what has God done for me? Ask yourself that question. What has God done for me? What has God done for me? The second question is this. What do you want God to do through you? What has God done for me? What do you want God to do through you? Because when you give to the Refuge Church, you give through the Refuge Church. We're committed to reaching the world with the gospel. Last week, I scheduled a meeting for November with a group of churches that are going to talk about how we can reach the Dominican Republic for Jesus. Because God has put an opportunity in our path to do that. Your money that you give to the refuge doesn't stay here. It goes out to reach the world for Jesus. But today isn't about your money. 
We've disguised this series by calling it a money series. But you know what? It's not. It's a surrender series. It's about us giving our hearts to God. All of our hearts. Jesus isn't after your money. But he is after your heart. And so that's why he talks so much about money in the Bible. That's why 16 out of 38 stories that he told were, were about money or possessions. Because he said in Matthew 6, 21, that where your treasure is, your heart is also. Jesus talks about money so much because he knew that in order to get your heart, he had to talk about your money. I wish, I wish it wasn't so. But it is. And the reason I, I wish it wasn't so is because I know how difficult it is to designate our money to go to God. But what I've learned is when I give to him, he gives back to me. It's about our hearts. So do me this favor, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. No one looking around because even though we talk about money today, What we're really talking about is your heart. And the fact of the matter is, is that God wants your heart. So I believe that because God wants your heart, the church can talk about money. And people can still surrender to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, Pastor Adam, I don't know what you're speaking about. Surrendering to Jesus. Good. Because when we surrender... We simply put our hands in the air and say, you know what, I, I give up. I give up. I can't figure this out. And when we surrender to God, we say, you know what, God, I can't figure this out, but I know you can. The reason we... When, when we, so when we talk about grace and we talk about all that God has given us, that he became poor so that we could become rich, what we're talking about when we say that is that Jesus left heaven where he had everything. He had everything. And he left heaven to come to this earth so that he could die in our place. So that we could surrender everything we have to get to him, to trust him. But the reason he had to die is because we had this broken relationship, this broken relationship with, with God that created us. That broken relationship was caused by the wrong things that we do in our life called sin. In the book of Romans, the, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because we've all sinned, because we've all done wrong, we have this broken relationship with God. And 
the only thing that will heal it is surrender. Trusting in Jesus. So that he can heal that relationship. So I have this question. My question is, is there anyone in this room that would say, I want that relationship healed this morning? Would you just slip your hand up and put it back down just so that I can see it? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Say, Pastor Adam, I want that relationship healed. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to, to say this prayer with me. Say, God, I know that I have done wrong. And because I have done wrong, I know that I need Jesus, your son, who died in my place, so that I can have a relationship with you. Come into my life and save me and make me new. Help me to follow you. If you've said that prayer, I want to I want you to, to come and tell me. Tell me, tell tell anyone of our people that are up up front at the at the stairs. We've got my friend my friend Ken and, and, and Katie and and Sam. Come and talk to them and, and so and let them know that, that you have given your heart to Jesus today so that we can celebrate that. But now I want to talk to everyone else. Those of you that have given your heart to Jesus, that maybe have other areas of your life that you're not fully surrendered in. Maybe your money is one of them. Maybe your marriage is one of them. Maybe your job is one of them. The fact of the matter is, is that God wants our whole hearts. So I want to say a prayer for you today that you would surrender fully to him. God, I want to thank you so much for all that you're doing in this place, for what you're doing in this church. God, it's, it's not because of me, and it's all because of you. So God, I pray that you would help us all to get to a place of surrender, help us all to get to a place of letting it all go and saying, I give up, and I just trust God to do it all for me. Lord, help us to give up our money, not, not because the church needs money, but because you say that where your treasure is, your heart is also. So God, I pray that you would help us to give up our money so that we could give up our treasure so that we could give up our hearts. God, I thank you for all that you're doing in here. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand and would you give God a hand for what he has done today? Come on. Come on. Give God a hand. We're going to sing a song and then be dismissed. Thank you.